Hey, y'all. Welcome to the re-release of my Paul F. Tompkins episode of the podcast. Friends, what can I tell you? I have made so many efforts to record some new episodes, and I just have a little bit of uh, life working against me um whether it's my schedule and just shooting incredibly long hours here uh on the set where i'm in my trailer with very loud air conditioning so i apologize for the probable buzzing sound behind me also there's a terrible lightning storm right now and lightning sounds like it just struck something next door so i'm not sure what's going on there uh i just wanted to say uh i am working on it and i've just had things fall through whether it's because i get stuck in traffic trying to get to a recording or Somebody has to leave town earlier than we thought. Um, It's been a very interesting and frustrating time for someone like me who tries to have an episode out afresh every week of the year. So uh, bear with me. Maybe I'll have the opportunity to release some extra episodes uh, closer into the summer. But um, anyway, please enjoy this episode with one of my favorite human persons on Earth. I wanted to take that opportunity uh, to talk about some upcoming road shows that I'll be doing with him uh you probably know if you follow pft and and us on twitter that we're going to be uh in philadelphia we're going to be doing a show in uh detroit and uh we will both be a part of the largo fundraiser for mark evan jackson's show uh which is coming up very soon in early july so uh you can check uh twitter for all of that stuff and i hope to see some of you there and again thanks for bearing with me while i work on getting some new boys of summer there are so many wonderful people willing and uh able and i know once my schedule and there's a line we will make it happen so until then i hope everyone's doing well please don't get struck by lightning i will try to do the same now entering nerdist.com Well, I started recording with a very long blah sound, sort of a ha. Mm-hmm. Do you like to warm up before we get to? I do. Here? You want to? Yeah. Me 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 all sounds you'll be making. Yeah. Those are these all sounds you'll be making well, during the podcast. I mean, even if I don't make those specific sounds, they're all built into other sounds that I make. <laughs> That's right. So. That's yes, right. The building you, blocks. What about just tongue twisters? Do we need to do any of those? Uh, yes. I slit. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Sheet I slit and on the shit I did. Oh, I you blew up. it. I did. Uh, red leather, yellow leather. That's my favorite. It's a good one. Red leather, yellow leather. Toy boat, Troy boat. Toy boat, Troy boat. Why is that one? To- toy boat, Troy boat? Yeah. Toy boat or Troy boat. Is it toy boat or Troy boat? <laughs> I don't know. Toy boat, Troy boat? Toy boat or Troy boat? I love New York. I need New York. I love, I need unique New York. Oh, I don't even know that one. That's a good one. That one's very prideful. Give me the grift. No, I messed it up already. Give me the gift of the grift top sock. You know so many more than I ever... Imagined I, or hoped? I'm not sure. <laughs> dreaded, maybe? <laughs> so many more than I dreaded? Um, did you, did those come up for you like organically in classes or is that something that I've never taken people, any kind yeah. of acting class? 
Um, and who, I did. How theater, do you know all of these? Uh, from I think from having acting friends, and I I have a love of uh, stuff that's associated with the theater like that. Even if I don't love, even if I don't love doing those things, or I don't put a lot of stock in them, yeah. I love uh, traditions of the theater and. Um, superstitions and customs and all these all the things that I don't do right like, I will routinely I do a show at Largo every month here in Los Angeles and I'll routinely say Macbeth backstage because I think it's hilarious <laughs> to do that. so I don't put any stock in those things but yeah. I love that they are things I love that they yeah. exist I do too I think that in some way I have the same experience with religion because I don't it doesn't mean some anything oh, to yeah. me, but the idea of the ritual being so meaningful to someone else yeah. is just part of that grand human package of mm-hmm. like, God, we're the only animals that are aware of our mortality. And right. Everything we do stems off of that. Yeah. Up to and including not saying Macbeth backstage. <laughs> you know, it's yes. just so interesting. Catholicism for me was, uh, 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 you know, the pageantry of it was very hypnotic, yeah. you know? And after I stopped being religious, when I wasn't a Catholic anymore, and seeing it through somebody else's eyes, like, it just looked crazy <laughs> to me. Yeah. But it was, there's, there's a lot of really beautiful stuff in the, in the ceremonies yeah. of, the Catholic, uh, of the Catholic faith. Well, I just went to a wedding in um, Canada that was presided over. Mm, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's right. Yeah, I think that's right. Uh, by an imam. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've never seen that, and I had never seen it either. And and it was a very sort of like I would say agnostic at best, but probably atheistic side. Of one mm-hmm. the bride's family, but the groom's family was you know strict Muslim, and I don't even know if they like p- probably not born here. I think he might be first generation, mm-hmm. and so it was something that was really important to them. And in the grand tradition of many weddings, it's not about you anymore; it's about your parents. Right. Uh, and so they did decide to do it, and I think they were really um, nervous about it, in part because the person that they had arranged uh, canceled on them at the last minute, so they had a replacement imam. How, do, how does that happen? I don't know. How does somebody cancel on officiating a wedding at the last yeah. minute? Something came up. Got a better gig. Got a better, a, a better, got a better paying better wedding. Gig. Headlined at a different <laughs> wedding. He, um, so the guy that they got, they really just didn't know what to expect. And also, I guess, atypical of weddings nowadays, they didn't really know anything about what their vows were going to be. They didn't. I mean, it was a lot of surprises. Wow. And it was. So uh, was it a, yeah. was it a traditional uh, uh, ceremony? It wasn't at, well, it was, I guess that was a sort of a combination. I mean, it was at this kind of farm, farm converted very, I mean, in that way, it's very de rigueur, but um, so that was sort of quaint and cute and very Canadian. And then he was, just a marvelous combination of being very kind of hip and accessible. He's very young mm-hmm. and didn't hurt that he was handsome as all. Game. Oh, now we're talking girlfriend. Uh, <laughs> that's, what if that was the crux of the conversation I wanted to have? So anyway, that was a great segue into how hot this imam was. Um, but he was like, he just was, he was the perfect. Imama like. He was the perfect. <laughs> A perfect 10. No one even says that. (laughs) He was wearing a bikini. Um, he, He was just very accessible for anybody who didn't kind of know what the ceremony was going to be. And yet 
I felt completely faithful and respectful towards the side of the family that this was obviously very key and truly religious for. Mm -hmm. And he just did this. I mean, he really walked this sort of wonderful high wire of he chanted, which was absolutely hypnotic and beautiful. I didn't know that was coming and it Mm -hmm. was just lovely. And uh, everyone everyone said afterwards that all of the sort of restless children like were lulled into this strange quiet state. So they all stayed quiet. How long did the chanting last? Three hours. No. It was, I don't know, it was maybe, it would be several minutes at a time, I Mm -hmm. think. And this was the thing that just he does? It's not the congregation doesn't take part in that? Just him. Yeah, just him. And... And then the stuff that was about God um, was so poetic that mm-hmm. it really was possible to sort of pull yourself out of this, you know, idea of being like, excuse me, she doesn't belong to him. She's not his property, according right. to God. Right. And just became this idea of like, oh, this this is so meaningful for them. Mm-hmm. Isn't that lovely? And isn't this beautiful language? And I don't know if I would have had the same reaction you know, 15 years ago, I might have been still kind of like, this is bullshit, everybody. Am I right? God it's, this, God that. When when religious ceremonies, especially at weddings, when they focus on love, it's very intoxicating. Yeah, it really and is. It, it, it makes a lot of, um, it, it makes religion make a lot more sense than it might uh, when it's, it's more about, you know, here's what you're doing wrong. Right. And uh, how imperfect you are and how uh, that's not okay. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Like you spend so much time in your life, uh, whether you're religious or not, trying to be okay with yourself, you know, and and rationalizing things and saying, well, I did the best I could, but I kind of blew it, you know, in that one situation or that exchange that I had with my friend or I got in a fight with my mom. Like you're trying to say, all right, well... I'll try to do better next time. And you spend so much time doing that, but then there's there's a lot of times in religion, there's this idea that, no, not good enough. You're never going to get it right. Nope. Nope. You blew it again. Yeah. But at least, but then people also say about the allure of Catholicism that there's the confessional where you can go in and just be absolved. But I don't know that people really believe that. But you're not just absolved because because you're not being told, hey, it's okay. We all make mistakes. It's like, well... That's pretty bad stuff. And right. uh, here's what you have to do now. Right. You know? So it's not just... And it doesn't necessarily make you feel like, I'm not going to do this kind of thing again. Or, you know, yeah. lesson learned. It yeah. sounds more like it's just it's, sort of like, yeah, this is what... You, well, you fucked up. Well, surprise, guess what? Surprise. I broke another one of your impossible rules. Right, right. You, like the idea that you have to, you know, go in there and say, hey, I jerked off. You know, <laughs> and be and be ashamed of it. Yeah, that's, that's terrible. Yeah. yeah, that's terrible. Did you have to? I mean, that, that's a real specific one. But did, oh yeah, did you, did you? So you partook in confession? Yes, stuff. I did. I did. We that. would when I was in school. We would go. I think we went once a week. I think we would have weekly. Were you confession. at uh, where? Well, you know what? Let's get into it. Where? Where? Let's start recording. Where? <laughs> hit hit record right uh, now. <laughs> <laughs> She sells seashells oh, by the seashore. Don't kill me. <laughs> These are my warm-ups. They're wonderful. <laughs> I would call them voice shredders. 
There's like it's guaranteed you will be more hoarse after. If you finish. I can get through the warm up, right? Then I'm fine with everything else. That makes sense. Yeah. And even if you just do the rest of the podcast in a whisper, that's a strained oh, whisper. Can you imagine how? how this is the whisper it, podcast. Have you seen that? Um, we've talked about this. I think maybe on the podcast I've talked about it, but the that thing where people get like a weird brain tingle from certain sounds. It was a radio lab. I think it was a radio lab uh-huh. episode, podcast episode where certain people hear like, <laughs> like they'll go, there's a whole thing for it. I can't remember the name for it, but you can go online and search the sensation that it gives you, mm-hmm. which is people say it's kind of like, you know, those, those things. <laughs> I'm, 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 know, I'm doing this little, it. It's like, that weird wire thing that you put that you on the top of your head, your head and it's it like a little massage. Yeah. It's this weird tingle. Um, some people say it's like that, but inside your skull, but inside your skull. And it has to do with like the certain sounds that your mouth makes, um, just as you're talking, like if you're talking very quietly and, and sometimes it's like a chime or a bell. So it's, if you're hearing, okay, so it's, it can be external sounds, mm-hmm. but it sometimes can be, the sounds that you yourself make? No, I think it's always external. I think oh, okay. it's I'm I was providing the sound like there's a woman you were giving somebody else brain I was tingles giving, I was giving someone else for brain the tingles. If there's anyone else who listens to this podcast who's into that. But there's this one really famous um one where it's like a a woman speaking quietly about like antique jewelry. I mean, and it gets like, and people. This could not sound any more radio lobby. I know, I know. And you check it out, and it is literally like, um, this piece was given to me by my grandmother. Um, It's great because you can sort of now. I'm going to hold it up to the microphone. Like people, they're creating, they're creating material for people who have this really extra sense. So she just rubs this. They're creating material for these mutants. (laughs) Right. Really, what I'm saying? <laughs> no, I think I get it a little bit sometimes, but I can't. But like when a, ch- a certain chime, mm. like if I hear a wind, certain wind chimes or something, maybe I we all love have a little chimes. bit. I love wind chimes. <laughs> I love wind. It's one of my favorite yeah. weather conditions. Uh, is it? Yes, it is. What uh, I just I would agree with that also. I like things that are the. Uh, the uh, embodiments of the power of the earth, mm-hmm. you know. But does that mean? But aren't there some kind of negative versions of that? Yes. Well, I don't want the earth to crush me, <laughs> but I do. It is nice to be reminded mm-hmm. um, of this amazingly uh, powerful thing that we exist uh, under the whims of. Yeah. You know, that could destroy us. Like the ocean is endlessly fascinating to me. Yeah. I could watch it. I could watch the waves go in and out for hours and hours and hours. Were you always like that? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I think I always liked I always liked um dramatic weather, you know, and I grew up in the East Coast, so there was uh, there was always rain, there was always snow, you know. Where on the East Coast? Uh in Philadelphia. Right. Which some people will point out that is not technically on the coast. Right. I'm just talking about, you know what I mean. It as, yes. Well, I say I'm from the West Coast sometimes and I'm from Arizona and that's, that's clearly opposite. Well, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone likes to say there's going to be beachfront property when the quake hits. That's right. The big one. You know what I'm talking about, everybody. <laughs> but I do feel that way about earthquakes, and which you never had, obviously, on the East Coast. Did that translate no. to here? Because when we have a little shimmy, there is a part of me, of course, immediately... It's a rush of adrenaline, and you're like, "Oh God, how bad is this?" Yeah, but 
there is, I think, a removed part of me that is like thrilled by it because it really is like absolutely none of you know what. Finally, I can't control this experience for myself <laughs> and make it any different than anybody else's, other than yeah. be prepared, whatever. But that that it is this thing you absolutely have no control over, and there's something that's such a relief about that for somebody like me and maybe like you who needs feels like it's not even necessary that I want to be in charge. It's a it's feeling compelled to feel like you're in charge yeah. of what's happening to you at all times. I totally get that. The, I my response to earthquakes, the the tremors that we've had. I, and I've been here since 94, so I've never experienced anything huge, you right. know. Um, and the longest I think I've experienced was not that long ago. It was just within the last couple months or so. Yeah, that one that was early in the morning. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was, I was up already. My wife was asleep. It was, it was around 6 a.m., something mm-hmm. like that. And I remember I was on the couch having coffee and watching the news. And then it started. And this is my reaction every time is like, oh, is that? an earthquake and then oh it's happening and then oh wait how long is this gonna happen is this it is this it and then i and i realize every time i have no idea what to do i have no (laughs) idea like the only thing i know is you're not supposed to get in doorways anymore that that used to be the thing you're supposed to do now don't do that who knows yeah yeah i think you're supposed to get in the tub now oh really because if stuff drops down you want some sort of lip or something so that it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't just crush you. So like right. get under your table or right, something like that. Right. I could be entirely wrong. I uh, I had the same experience. I was awake as well, but I was still in bed. But it happened and um, there was something it's a, I think it's the first time I've ever been awake and in bed when earthquakes happened. Mm-hmm. There was something so like I really I felt extra vulnerable, but kind of in a good way. Like I think I felt like, well, I'm along for the ride. But it didn't. Right. It's something about being in a bed felt very safe, which is not. Yeah, well, I don't know. I, I know what you mean. That's happened to me too. Uh, there was one at night that happened, and, and I was in bed and awake, and it was shaking, and I, it didn't. I didn't feel the same sense of panic that I feel right? yeah. if I'm in a chair. There's no, I wasn't thrown off balance in any way. Yeah. I wasn't like con- trying to conduct business in any way. <laughs> Nothing really. It was just sort of, you know, yeah. getting shook, getting shook around a little bit and then done. Something that I really love is the sense of uh, uh, the community that you feel afterwards because there will be a lot of... Um, you know, your friends uh, uh, texting you or there's people posting on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. And um, I don't know. There's something that, that I I really uh, I really enjoy having that feeling that connection to other too. people. I do, too. It's funny, too, because when you just said that, I thought there really is a reason that you can always talk about the weather with someone that you don't know. <laughs> Everybody sort of was ready to talk about that. Oh yeah. Ready to talk about their likes and dislikes, ready mm-hmm. to talk about where they grew up and how it pertains and relates oh, to yeah. weather. When I'll I, always talk about it. When I was a kid, I, I was just saying this to someone the other day that it, when I would hear adults talk about the weather, it was unfathomably boring. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> Are you still talking about this? It's yeah. insane. And now that I'm a grown up, I get it. It's that your your appreciation for things, for just life, deepens to an extent that you're not necessarily just making small talk. Yeah. That there's something about it that you're saying to you and someone else are saying, isn't it a 
just insane gift that we are alive and that yeah. there's a sun that shines and that it 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 bathes us in its warmth and it's it's like I get it now. Yeah, you know, I do too. That it's not just you're not just you know flapping your gums until this person walks away. <laughs> yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I guess I, I hadn't thought about that before, but you're totally right. I did used to think it was really boring, and now I'm happy to discuss it. You're invested in it. Yeah. I am invested in it. I'm, yeah. I've got, I've really made an investment in weather. What um <laughs> what kind of uh what kind of um what kind of weather would you get in Philadelphia? Does it get really snowy? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. I remember being a kid, and and um, you know, we would get uh really high snow drifts and and have snow days home from school, and yeah. you know, I remember, I remember playing in the snow and how uh, uh amazing that was. You know, that building stuff and and snowball fights and and uh, tunnels and you know all that because mm. we would get. We yeah, would get crazy tunnels. snow, you know, it yeah. was like really like up to the, you know, we had a house with a, with a front porch and it would be up to the, the level with the porch. Yeah. And, um, that's, I didn't, I don't think I realized how crazy that was as a kid. Right. And, uh, I haven't seen it anywhere like that since I know that it, it's been like that certain places, but to, to walk around and, um, have the, the cars all covered and, and just the, the one thing I always liked about the snow, about the new snow, was the silence. I couldn't agree more. It is like nothing I've, else. It's like nothing else. That stillness? And, oh, my God. Oh. It is so calming. Yeah, yeah. I can't. I'm trying to think. I mean, I have this. I've talked about it before, but and probably even with Paget, ironically mm-hmm. enough. That's not ironic. It's just coincidence. Um, but uh, sorry, Alanis Morissette. <laughs> Oh, guys, it's harder than I thought it was to think about what's ironic. <laughs> well, you should um, apologize to Alanis Morissette. You should blame her. I really should. Yes. Yeah, she made it even She's more confusing. The one. Yes, oh, made it confusing. Alanis. Um, but that feeling, that sound, especially growing up in a place where I really didn't hear that unless I was, you know, on a vacation or, but when I, when I was in Flagstaff and I was going to school there and I would have to walk to and from class in the snow, it really was like, it's, Short of like, let me say this, because I was just thinking of the two things that I was going through such a rough patch when I was in college. And I'm, I was thinking about the two things that probably calmed me the most. And one of them was um, working with clay, which mm-hmm. I'm not, you know, a person who does that. But I <laughs> happened to be building this face for my makeup class. I can't remember if I talked about this. I don't think I did. <clears throat> we, the, Our makeup artist was so intense that part of that semester of class was building from brown clay, like the half, this half of a face, starting front, with a the skeleton, front half the, the front the half, yeah, back half would be real bad, but um, the front half, half would be the, the face. skull, I guess. Really There's easy. not much face going on that, there, really. That, you actually cover the other half in wiggery. <laughs> wiggery. <laughs> you build the base of the skull, and then you build up the hairs. Uh, <clears throat> but we would start with the skull, and then layer on the tissue, um, mm. sort of actually knowing what different musculature wow. was. Because it's supposed to inform like where the wrinkles would be, or where whatever your extension wow. was. Really thorough. And then finished it with the sort of face and eyes and expression and all this. And um, and so I would just, like, it started as a task that I was like, I can't believe they're making us do this. Mm-hmm. And became, like, I'm waking up already on my feet in panic mode for no reason when, you know, I'm 19. And 
I sort of shake myself awake, my heart's pounding, and I would just go to the kitchen, make a cup of sleepy time tea in the middle of the night, and then just sit and like mess with this face. Wow. And it became so detailed that in the end, for some reason, it looked exactly like James Coburn. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't have a strong affinity towards him. I just realized at the end, like I think I just made James Coburn. Like when it was completely finished, mm-hmm. you're like, who does this? Who does this remind, who does me, remind of? me of? Yeah, and then I realized somehow it was James Coburn. But the other thing was just walking in snow. That mm-hmm. how quiet everything was, and just the sound of crunching snow. The best. Yeah. So soothing. Yeah. If I could get a white noise app that just sounded maybe like. <laughs> Footsteps crunching in the snow. I, I bet you could find that. I you bet think? you could find recordings of that. You know what? Footsteps crunching in the snow is probably one of those things that gives people brain brain tingles. It should be. If be it's surprised. not, add it to the list, guys. Add it to the add it to the list. Those of <laughs> you who some, are benefiting some, from the this is some red whispering, <laughs> walking in the snow. Um, uh, I also like the desert, um, like the like the full on sand dunes you know out in the middle of nowhere you do kind of thing yeah Yeah, see i don't because i associate that so much with inescapable heat right growing up and inescapable like blank blue skies absolutely i I, i'm not a big fan of the heat you know and and i hate the humidity of of back east and and yeah the humidity's such a drag and and it just uh we you know my wife and i lived for a year in new york um, after having lived here in Los Angeles for quite a long time. And um, the hardest thing about adjusting to living in New York was the weather. It yeah. was really difficult. Like, yeah, just that thing of like, you have to be, you have to sort of go out prepared for all weather conditions oh, yeah. all year round. Oh, you yeah. Know? And just like sweating through <laughs> your clothes and just, ugh, you go, in, like you sweat and then you go into a place where the air conditioning Freezing. is cranked up and then, so then you're shivering and then you go out and sweat all over again. Yeah. And, you know, and then in the, winter, in the winter. Yeah. In the winter, yeah. you're all layered up and then you go into a place and sweat there and <laughs> then you go back out and, untangle. oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I hate, yeah. sorry for yelling, brain tumors. <laughs> um, but yeah, the thing, but the thing that I like about the desert is that, uh, the the surrendering to the absolute heat that mm-hmm. it's just it when it it's at that point where it's like well this is what it is and there's nothing you can do about it yeah. and you just give yourself over to it and yeah. then to sort of um uh, uh just observe what that is like and and uh the the crazy tiny life that lives there and um and just the 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 wind on the sand and mm-hmm. you know all that stuff is... have you been to the painted desert in kind no. of near four corners i would love to i never have been you would love it you know what you and Jeannie should do is the drive from basically flagstaff to denver if you take the kind of scenic painted desert route is so amazing you can go from like snow in the rockies mm-hmm to within the same day driving down through the painted desert where there will be like a sandstorm, a red sandstorm that you have to sort of pull your car over because visibility is poor I'm completely for a second. On board with this, yeah. And then you can stop in four corners. Everybody likes putting one arm, one leg in each of four states. <laughs> like it's significant in some way. And then, and in Flagstaff, which is like charming and you're right near the Grand Canyon. And mm-hmm. um, Never seen it, by the way. It's a, it's a great... Seen from the air only. It's... <laughs> 
Well, you you owe yourself, if not a mule trip, then at least uh, kind of hanging out by the edge. Um, you would to- super appreciate it for everything. Yeah, that would be a really lovely like Americana trip for the two of you to take. I'm going to drop a penny on um, that thing. Drop a penny in that yeah. shit? Yeah. For sure. Yeah. You drop a penny everywhere you go that you visit. I drop it anywhere over six feet. Yeah. <laughs> anywhere where the elevation is over six feet, I'll drop a penny. Okay. God, you've got to be so busy. Second floor of a building, I'll drop sure, a penny. Sure. sure. Well, Absolutely. you like those superstitions, even the ones that you make up that are not in any way right. ritualized yeah. yet. If I don't drop a penny, I get sick. <laughs> That's what happens. I'm not in control of it anymore. And it could be like a deep bone sick where you might not get a cold, but you're, every time you don't do it is contributing to whatever this like crazy... That's right. That's almost right. said rubella for some reason is the only old, old-timey... old I get a rubella, I, I get a colic... I'm not sure what Bella is. Is it related to measles? I feel like that's the Ooh, immunization think, we would get. I think you're right. I think you're right. Also, measles. I was just talking about this with someone offline. I do have a life outside the podcast. I know it doesn't seem like it, but Can't imagine uh, that's true. about how cute measles, the name measles, measles and mumps. They both sound like, they yeah. sound like two com- like comic book characters. Or you'd be like, you'd get the Sunday paper and be like, right under Family Circus, measles and mumps. Yeah. They're really uh, downplaying how horrible both of them are. Yeah. And I think that's... Uh, that's a bad idea. I think we could have used those words for something else. Mumps. Mumps could have been a food. She scared the mumps out of me. <laughs> mumps could have been a food. Could have been a food. Sounds oh, fattening. I eat like a whole bag of mumps. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like a thing you eat at the You're movies. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Not wrong. Um, measles and mumps are both movie snack foods, right? <laughs> I got a box of measles are. and a barrel of mumps. <laughs> yeah, a box of measles. You can. You know that measles are like. Um, about M&M size. I like to sprinkle is the measles M&M, into the mumps. Is it possible M&M stand for measles and mumps? Yeah, no, it's probable. <laughs> it's, it's more than possible. It's almost certain. <laughs> it's almost certain. Measles and mumps Mars. I defy anyone to tell me what the M&Ms actually stand for. I defy you to do so. <laughs> you idiots. I get, You'll never do it. I get very defensive and indignant about things that haven't even happened yet. I'm so angry at all of you right now. Um, Okay, so this is the picture that I have of you. Uh Tromping around in snow. Sure. On the way to confession. (laughs) To tell the priest you jerked off. Sure. True or false? Uh, Somewhat true. I don't know if I could ever bring myself to say that to a priest. And my, my confession, I mean, that would, that was mortifying, you know, to like, but I also, I knew like, this has to be okay. Right. You know, like I know it's not strictly okay, but this has to be okay. Yeah. This can't be that bad. Yeah. But I was still, I was very much, uh, you know. Even uh, in high school, this is. Yeah. 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 Um, I, I was very much Catholic, you know, I was very much devout and, and um, you know, even though I, I did not like going to church, you know, it was a big deal and you had to go to church. If there was a way that, you know, I, I could get out of church. That would have been great. But, you know, I was not I was not a kid that faked being sick or doing things like that because I, I think the few times that I did attempt that stuff, it didn't work. And, you know, mm. just like, eh, I guess this is not happening. God, why was I so good at it? I was like a I regular Ferris Bueller. I don't know. I think it's easier. The fewer kids there are, I think it's easier. Yeah. Because I think that... Uh, I think that, that's probably true. Huh? I think that parents probably are a little more indulgent with one kid. 
But yeah, when they have it's, nothing to compare it to. Or yeah, yeah, when there's a sense. bunch of kids, I think that like, I think my mom, uh, you know, because my dad worked and my mom, well, my mom worked too, but then she was mostly at home with us uh, of of uh, of my two parents. And um, who's us? Sorry, just so everyone knows. Me and my five brothers and sisters. And I, th- I think that there was a certain amount of uh, it's me against all of them kind of vibe with her mm-hmm. that um, we were uh, certainly a, a group of people. I don't think we were viewed as children. Uh-huh. We we're this group of people <laughs> who made life more difficult for her. We did not help her out, mm. you know. And I remember being a kid and, and her saying, because I, you know, I didn't want to like sweep the steps or whatever. And she would say, I want you to do it because you want to do it, not because I ask you to do it. And you know, I'm a child, so that's not ever going to happen. That's an argument that I think husbands and wives give each other. Yes. That don't, that will absolutely. absolutely not work with a child. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, uh, You're right. She I, treated you like. My number one people. priority is playing. Correct. Number one. You know what I feel like doing? A chore. <laughs> yeah. I really feel like doing a chore. Yeah. It was never going to happen. Yeah. And, and I think. I, I can't imagine how she was raised because my my grandma, her mother, was not a fun grandma. You mm-hmm. know, it was not like, and that's when they're supposed to get fun. Yeah, so she still wasn't oh, yeah. fun. Ooh. No, she was not. She was not indulgent. You know, she was not. She didn't give treats. She didn't like give a lot of. I, I maybe when we were babies, we got more kisses and hugs, but she was not doting. You know, mm. and I think that. Um, uh, she must have been a very hard person. And uh, I, I remember a thing that she used to tell us all the time, and it's a, it's a running joke with my brothers and sisters, is my grandmother used to say, you got to help your mother because she can't do it all by herself. Like that was the uh, common refrain. So it was yeah. like we were getting at at home that yeah. you people are, you're not helping. Yeah. And then we would go to grandma's house and it's like, hey, you're not helping your mother. Oh, but no. meantime, do some chores around here. <laughs> You can't play on that tree out front. Right. And for television, we're going to watch the Lawrence Welk show. Oh, yeah. 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 It was bleak. It was bleak. Yeah. There was some real Lawrence Welkin going on at uh, in at my grandparents' house, too. I think he's Mormon, too. So they probably loved him. No. Mine loved him even more. I think Lawrence Welk was Mormon. Really? I think so. I might have to check that. I don't do a lot of... I don't I do not do a lot of let's check this out online or I would have already told you what that word is for the special crisp sound that people love. And rubella. But, and rubella. I guess I but never I thought... I feel like I want to... never occurred to me what large so quote spiritual life was. You seem so surprised that made me want to know. <laughs> Lawrence Welk Mormon? Lawrence Welk Mormon? What was Lawrence Welk's greatest moment of doubt? Wait a minute. Oh. This is this is just I'm not even going to get into this, but this is what just came up for me uh in a Google search. Regarding feeling nauseous, Lawrence Welk, recovery from Mormonism. What? what? I don't know. What? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, they were. Um the Welks. The Welks are still active in the Mormon church. Many of the Welks. Oh, good. Many of the Welks. Uh, for their own Welk being. <laughs> what time is it? Yeah. Did your, did, what was your romantic life like in high school? Did you uh, feel like that was, was there like a, is she Catholic or you can't even date or. <laughs> well, ev- our whole world was Catholic. So that yeah. was, I mean, that was who you met anyway. So that was never an issue, you know, like I, my uh, sister-in-law Grew up in the same neighborhood that I grew up in, pro- probably like uh, half a mile away from from the street where I grew up, 
and we never met because she was Protestant. Mm-hmm. So we never would have oh met. Oh my gosh. Where when would we have what is met? This, Ireland? You know? <laughs> exactly. This is amazing. But it's like that there was so much you know, my I went to Catholic school for, for grade school and high school. So all of my friends were Catholic and uh, there weren't even just like kids who because you know some people go to Catholic school because it's better education but they're not were, in any way Catholic there were a couple like that yeah but but uh, yeah we didn't I didn't socialize with those kids and I don't think uh-huh. it was on I don't think it was a um, a conscious choice although I think there was something that seemed odd about that that yeah. that was something I couldn't understand because hey we're sense. all this thing right you know? and and not only that you know it's Multi- racially uh, uh, diverse were all this thing and you're not mm-hmm. you know so I don't know what to make of you and you know but all the, a lot of those kids only went for a year hmm. you know and we never saw them again yeah. so yeah we can only assume they burned in hell oh absolutely mm-hmm. that's where they're headed yeah if they're not already there yeah Um. but yeah my romantic life uh, I was a late bloomer. I did not have a girlfriend until junior year, um, and uh, but I always had crushes. Always had crushes. Were you the sort of best friend that had to hear about girls having crushes on other guys, or did you just have male friends? That was I had. I had a lot of female friends. I had male friends for sure, and my best friends were guys. But I had a lot of female friends. I always had female friends, and. Um, I never had to hear about that from my crushes. There was one girl, like the big, you know, dramatic uh, uh, love of my high school life. And then a couple of years after was um, uh, this girl uh, who we started out as good friends. And then um, one day we, out of nowhere, we kissed. And then that was it. Then I was like in love with her forever. And so we had this sort of on again, off again thing. And, um, it was uh it was just it was devastating to me yeah. you know it was devastating to oh, me oh god yeah i remember i had this boyfriend this is even in junior high but i've just talked about him recently on the podcast but barrett um who is here in la and i keep in touch with but um we had go- i had known him since i was you know 4 or 5 whenever you start school for me mm-hmm. i guess it was 5 in kindergarten and and he was the he was Prince Charming to my Snow White in first grade. Sure. Uh, and um, <clears throat> boy, when we broke up this one time in junior high, speaking of faking sick, like I feel like I faked sick for a while because mm-hmm. when I thought about going to school and seeing him, the worst. my body would not accept oh, it. I would, worst. I couldn't. And then I would, and then I went and he was <sighs> going with this other girl. Yeah. And I just remember I felt like my face prickled the entire day and I could barely breathe Horrible. and I was so afraid I would round a corner and see them. I mean, it was, Oh yeah. I, it was more important than maybe anything I've ever experienced since. Yeah. Devastating. Horrible. Oh the God. Worst. To be racked yeah. in that way. But don't you also feel like the, I mean, the, I mean, frankly, the highs of those hormones too are so. It's just intense. off the charts. It's delirious. It's off the charts. Yeah. Oh yeah. And you're yeah, getting yeah. high. Yeah. And I think that's where some people who end up facing sex and love addiction, frankly, like that's for some people, maybe someone else, you know, kind of holds on to the drinking or Mm -hmm. someone else holds on to the eating or whatever. But I never thought about this before, but I think it's possible that you sort of arrested develop in that way and that you 
that's what you equate love with is like, I have to feel like this is life or death or yeah. it's not real. I think that, uh, and the movies don't help, you know? Oh my God. No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah. Not at all. And, and you, you, you know, I would create this narrative for myself where it was going to be like this movie because it had to be, because that's what it felt like to me. You know, right. it felt like this, um, uh, this amazing, uh, epic poem, you know, and so how else could it end? But I'm going to uh, win the love of this person, you know. Right. Um, but I think that I think it's it, it, people uh, that have that issue. I think it's that they can't see the trade off, right? And that the the trade off of, of of giving up uh, the constant newness. Is the uh, the deeper things you get with a long term relationship, and uh, because the rewards of that are so great, yeah. And to have someone that is there for you and someone that you can be there for, uh, those moments are profound. Mm-hmm. The, te- are the, profound. Sort of the tenderness and the trust, yeah. is So and much the, the knowledge better. of someone like that, like to have a history with someone like that. That there's this, this, uh, it's so comforting, you know? Yeah. It's so comforting to know, like, you know me, you know what I'm going through right now, you know? Yeah. And when you can come through for that person, it's magical. Like you feel like a good person, you yeah. know? Um, when that, when that does become second nature, when it is like, I do it because I want to do it, not because you asked me to do it. Right. You know? Right. Um, and when and when there are surprises in a long term relationship too, it's like that's amazing. Yeah, you know. Well, that's I I I know I've I mean I've I I feel like I've come to understand maybe in the last ten years the the possibility that you can kind of it sounds so um, cynical to say that you fall out of love with someone. I don't know that it's that, but you but there is the opportunity to sort of rediscover your feelings about someone that you've been with for a long time and, and, uh, and celebrate that and yeah. cherish that. And I've seen it in friends and, you know, Absolutely. you can sort of, when you, oh, that's the other thing is when you have this, a really great friendship that has lasted, um, and you can sort of mark from an outsider's perspective, even like, oh, I think they're going through a rough patch, Man, mm-hmm. you know, it's, I feel, I feel like they maybe are, yeah. or they tell you that they are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you see it come back around and having that example is so, well, for me, it's so valuable too, because I don't really have, you know, my parents split up when I was so young. I don't really remember them ever being together. Yeah. Um, your parents never got divorced. Oh no, they should have, but they never did. Yeah. They had a, a terrible marriage from as far back as I can remember. I mean, it must have been good at some point, but by the time I was, you know, a, uh, old enough to be aware, um, never saw them exchange any affection. You know, uh, my mother would uh, complain about my father and, and that he didn't really help around the house. Like he didn't do, she really had to do everything, you know, and he was very much in his own world. Mm. And, I've always wondered like what was the what was the tipping point in their relationship because I don't know and I I should ask my brothers and sisters if they what their experience was like because certainly for my brothers we're we're grouped together it was the three girls first and then the three boys how much um, age difference we're all we're pocket. like 3 years apart on down mm-hmm. the line um so we're all fairly close like my oldest 
I'm in my mid forties. My oldest sister is in her mid fifties. So um, three years apart, there's just no, yeah, she really just would like have a baby. And then a few months later get pregnant. Yeah. 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 (sighs) I mean, she, she did everything that was asked of her by her, uh, her, uh, culture, her religion, uh, the time in which she lived, you know, and I always got the sense, um, that she felt, uh, let down and felt betrayed. Like I did everything you're supposed to do. How come this is so hard? Yeah. You know, and I get that, you know, Absolutely. and it's like, it's almost like she questioned it all too late, but mm. she was not, I don't know. It was, I think that she just didn't know what else to do. Yeah, you know? I know. It's like it doesn't... Sometimes that doesn't even come with a question. It's just a general disappointment yeah. that doesn't even... Yeah. Like, you don't have to allow for the question or the fantasy of what your life could have been to still know that you're disappointed by your life, yeah. even if you don't stretch that beyond to, like, what might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ay, ay, ay. I know. That I know. is rough. Yeah. But we celebrated their <laughs> their 50th wedding anniversary. I was living here at the time and, and uh, you know, I got an invitation saying, hey, it's mom and dad's 50th, so we're going to have this, you know, big party. And I'm like, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, that's weird, right? And, <laughs> you know, we all joked about it, but it still happened. And, yeah. you know, <laughs> so I flew home and like we took pictures of them sitting together and like, you guys hate each other, right? <laughs> oh, like no. what is... What's happening here? Yeah. So weird. Oh, man. So it's still weird to me now. Like, yeah. I don't. Why did that happen? Yeah. There's yeah. nothing. There's nothing to celebrate here. Yeah. Like, they should have split up. Oh, God. That's um. when my, my grandparents had their 50th anniversary when I was really, really young. And we all used it as a reason to kind of have uh, a family reunion, which mm-hmm. is what I was wondering if maybe there was somehow like you find some kind of momentous occasion to bring everyone back together. But that really actually does that kind of solidifies for me how much my grandparents did love each other because they really did. You know, they really had this sort of tenderness that, you know, neither one of them was particularly expressive. Mm -hmm. Um, But when I think about, the nonverbal stuff like, and by the way, uh, this is a little personal, but, um, hello, this is my podcast. Uh, (laughs) I did want to say because of what you said about your parents and affection, showing affection, I immediately thought, uh, of the fact that, um, you know, even back from years ago when I would be hanging out with you and Janie, Mm -hmm. um, I always thought how lovely the affection between you two was something that is great is that we're we're uh on the same level with it right you know what i mean that it's uh there's not one person who's like hey don't like please don't put your arm around me in public or whatever you know we're both we're both on the same uh on the same uh you know pda plane sure sure um but yeah we and we tell each other we love each other all the time and it's absurd and, um, but it's, it means something every time, yeah. you know, to get, to get a text out of nowhere that just says, I love you, you know, in the middle of the day, it's like it, that's not after all this time, that's not nothing to me, Yeah, you know, yeah. it's, it's still, it's, it's still, it still has the same weight that it does every time we say it. Yeah. 
Well, I remember when Janie did the podcast, you know, it sounds to me like she really had, she had something to compare those, you know, her relationship to you. She's, she's, she knows what it's like to have something that doesn't work for her yeah. and she's not about to look that gift horse of the yeah. mouth, you know? I feel the same way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, it, it took me, it took me a long time to get to the point where I could have that relationship that I have with my wife, you know, and that, that was a thing that I always wanted, but I just didn't. I just didn't know how to do it, you yeah. know, and my, my relationships were always, they, you know, for the first half of my life, I would say, uh, first two thirds, maybe up to now were, I would have these really intense feelings for somebody. And then, um, uh, it would just be too much and I would push them away, you know? And, but I also wasn't really seeing those people for who they were. Mm. And I mm -hmm. was imposing an idea on them. And so the relationship that I had, I would look back on and think, why was I with that person? You know, yeah. like there wasn't a lot that we had in common. Um, you know, there was like, there were some people that were nice enough people, but we should have been together. Then there's some people I think that person was kind of a jerk. Yeah. Like, why did I, yeah. why was I so invested in that person? Yeah. You know? But I didn't know I didn't know what healthy relationships were and what they could be and how you had one, you know. Mm -hmm. Cuz I was not healthy. I was like I was all kinds of fucked up, you know. I was I was a really unhappy person. I I did not like myself and I did not have a good model for relationships. I mean, right. the, like that's the that's the the very basic, you know, dime store psychology of it was that I just didn't know what one was. I didn't know what one looked like even, yeah. you know. And on top of that, then you have friends that you think have great relationships and then somebody gets divorced. You're like, what the what? I had no idea. I thought you yeah. guys were, you know, in it to win it, you yeah. know. Um so yeah, I just didn't know for myself yeah. what that was. But I, I didn't also I also did not know how to be alone. I didn't know how to be just myself and what that was and how do I move through the world not thinking about some girl, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. and how do I, if I just make this happen, the rest of my life will fall into place, right? you know? I think a lot of people feel that way. Sure. I mean, it's so funny too because here we are talking about organized religion and stuff and really we're all participants at least as americans and most of the world now because of media mm -hmm. but we're all participants in this mass organized religion of romantic ideals absolutely and that's so it's so insidious that you don't really realize until you start looking at certain things through that lens like i was watching north i think it was north by northwest uh a couple months ago and for the first time ever, for whatever reason, whatever space I was in in my head, I was like, what? they just met each other. What do you mean they're going to get married? They got married at the end of the movie. Are you fucking kidding me? Like it seemed so patently absurd. Like, oh, this is this is an, this is a love addiction relationship right here. Right. right here. What's going on right here is like they're attracted to each other. They want to have sex. And now all of a sudden they're right. getting married. And I just thought this is horrible. And... And then I was like, oh, God, why haven't I thought that about, like, every movie yeah. where within a two-hour span? Do you know what the other side of that is? Is that movies that are, uh, you know, like a, a like a, some sort of romantic comedy, um, but like a, a, a heightened thing. That it's not so much a traditional rom-com, but that it's, um, 
some sort of like goofy comedy movie that has a uh, a love interest mm-hmm. subplot mm-hmm. that at the end of the movie your goofy hero ends up with the right. girl right then the movie's so successful they make a sequel but that girl isn't there anymore <laughs> like they they have to they have to explain yeah, why that person's do. not there yeah. so he can have a new love yeah. interest for whatever reason, like because I guess it's like they they just can't imagine thinking of a, a new story right. where he has a relationship. Right. But it's like, oh, okay, so you so this previous movie you made me invest in the idea yeah. that these two were going to get together, and now it's just like, oh yeah, that's over. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. But even the idea that the goofy guy gets the girl in the end is so frustrating to like teenagers who on both sides are not you know. Who oh, are yeah. just being themselves yeah. and, and don't know, like, haven't for whatever reason, don't have the sort of flirtation ability oh, or yeah. physical appearance or whatever that kind of wins out for maybe the wrong reasons. And yeah, the that's, frustration of that. That's too. why Pretty in Pink is such an honest movie. Yeah. Uh, because Aren't there two she endings doesn't. To that? What's that? I thought there were two endings to Pretty in Pink. I thought there was the one where she does end up with Jackie and the one where she. Oh, I've it. never heard of that. Maybe I'm crazy. I've never heard of that. Pretty in, the ending of Pretty in Pink is almost perfect because yeah. in in its reflection of how that relationship plays out in real life. Yeah. That this guy is just some goofball that she does not see romantically <laughs> at all. Will. Even though he's he's a much more interesting character. Yeah. But this cute guy, she's going to go with the cute guy. Then it's all ruined when he turns around and then there's like some super hot like Victoria's Secret model looking right, girl they're right. like oh okay so th- <laughs> well that's <laughs> that's know. completely unrealistic don't worry you yes. got the girl from Weird Science yeah. because two yeah, nerds exactly. made her and that's the yeah. only reason she's she hopped into this movie exactly. but that, the, this guy in real life would end up with another girl like Molly Ringwald right he's not gonna be it's you know, but the difficulty absurd. with that, though, and this is a whole other conversation that I guess I won't um, get into, but is. Uh... All right. Sorry. I just quickly looked up to see <laughs> that Pretty in Pink did have an alternate ending. Um, there is one and it's that she ends up with him. So there's one there's they shot two versions. Then what happened? Like it didn't test well or something. Where can I watch the original ending of Pretty in Pink? Best answer. The original ending of this film depicted Ducky getting the girl. However, the test audiences said they would have preferred to see Blaine win Andy's heart. Wow. Additionally, Molly Ringwald was sick during the filming of the ending and John Hughes wasn't satisfied with the editing. He was also concerned that audiences would take the original ending as a message that poor people and rich people don't belong together. Well, I mean, yeah, I they don't, don't know how true that is, yeah. but I mean, I don't know how true that answer is. Perhaps all of that was completely made up. It's the internet. Who knows? But I love that he, John Hughes was so worried about a class war breaking out <laughs> at screenings of Pretty in Pink. <laughs> well, tell the theater's apart. I mean, that's, that's what I would do. Only reason, but um, but that's but it's the power dynamic, right? Is that you know, Ducky could be the best person in the world for her, but um, talk about a fine line between like playing games and just knowing how to navigate a dynamic that you have with someone, mm-hmm. everybody's in trouble if they just throw themselves at someone yes. mercilessly. If you just There's lose, no way to if you're losing no yourself. Yeah, you're losing yourself in the in the in the idea of another person. Not even the reality of that other person, but the idea. And the problem is is that when we I think that for most of us, it's very hard to um, embrace the idea of 
liking yourself, of being okay with yourself, because there's something about that that seems very narcissistic. Yeah. And because you only hear it expressed in the most hippy dippy way that's like, that sounds like made up right. bullshit, right. you know? Um, it's It just sounds like snake oil, like, what? Yeah. Please spare me your crystals or whatever. But <laughs> but realizing later in in life that, oh no, it's it's very important to kind of be okay with yourself as a person. Like, it's it's I still struggle with it. It's still a hard thing. Me too. Like the, like the idea to say I love myself that seems cr- it still seems crazy to me. I know it still seems crazy to me. Why, but that's when you start again. When you get older, you start understanding why these things that to me seemed so laughable mm-hmm. when I was younger and thought I was cool with myself, but wasn't, and was mm-hmm. always like feeling like I was just just shy of what my potential was or way lower than my potential mm-hmm. and whatever reasons I would give myself for not reaching it. But, um, I understand like understanding something as, I mean, the ultimate hippy dippy, right. Is like the inner child thing. Yeah. But I feel like I understand now on a very different level that sometimes it's so hard to love yourself that if you have to like remove something in yourself to put it outside yourself yeah. and go, well, I, I wouldn't be shitty to that kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, oh, that oh, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Rather than just looking in the mirror and like, yay, buddy. Oh, I have such a hard time. I, the thing that has kept me from uh, attending any sort of high school reunion or anything is that it's not so much that um, I worry about the awkwardness of, of seeing people that I haven't seen in literally decades and, you know, uh, uh, how will that be any fun? And, you know, uh, I'm more afraid of spending time with the, uh, the person that I used to be Mm. and having that, you know, reflected back at me, like, because that's what happens with these things is, you know, it's walking down memory lane and you did this one time and, you know, and it's like, I, I find it hard to give myself, to give my past self a break, Mm. you know? Yeah. Sometimes I can and sometimes, you know, I think about that kid and like, oh man, it's going to be okay. I wish you could, I wish you could know, I wish you could just relax and I wish you could, I wish you weren't so anxious and so uh, sad all the time and, you know, so heartbroken all the time and, you know, and and not to say that I, I just spent, you know, my, my childhood and my teen years just moping around like i had a lot of fun and and you know i what really were this, what was the stuff that you would get excited about oh man i loved doing the uh when i was little i loved playing with my friends and we would do um like I, oh i heard you and kimmy gate would talk about flashlight tag oh and yeah. that was that was a the number one fondest memory of my childhood was um I grew up next door to my cousins on my mother's side, and uh, we had we had uh, connected houses. I guess it was a duplex, although they were both enormous, like thirteen room houses, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but they were connected, and, and uh, so we had we shared a backyard, and we would all play together. And it was that it was that era when uh, uh, you know parenting was very hands off yeah you know and so we you know we could go out for hours and and just be home by dinner you know yeah. um but we would play 
as soon as it got dark, we'd start playing that game and there would be, you know, maybe 10 of us playing and, and, uh, using, employing the yard, the, the area around both houses and, and, you know, setting the parameters of how far you're allowed to go and, you know, all that stuff. And, and, uh, I, I absolutely loved it. It was, it was so much fun. It was so much fun. And, and you, it just, I never wanted it to end. Yeah. You know, I never wanted it to end. And that's another thing where <clears throat> there are, it's, it's, it's just a little harder to get that feeling and it, sh- mm-hmm. and it shouldn't be that, you know, your adrenaline has to come from like, you're a more seasoned adult person. So the adrenaline has to come from something more dangerous than yeah. that. And I know that, you know, parents who, who really enjoy their children's childhood are able to kind of reconnect via that. Yeah. But we don't, neither one of us have kids, but I have the same urge to do that. And, uh, I was, I don't know if I've talked about this before, but I, I, Steve Agee was, uh, house sitting, mm-hmm. um, this house in the valley and they had a water slide and I, I thought I'd, I was like, I don't even think I like water slides. Like I have bad memories of like butt burn on water slides and stuff. Right. And he's like, no, this one's pretty cool. You should get on it. <laughs> I must've, I feel like didn't even pay attention to him the whole rest of the time I was there. <laughs> I was just like in a loop of getting on, screaming my head off, ju- you know, falling into the pool, going back up the stairs. How high was this water slide? It's more like it's it's not that high, but it somehow it's not like, like at a water park. It's no no, but, but it, it like it was as fun as a water park right. because you accelerate really fast. Right. They have. I mean, this is like you know Malcolm in the Middle money. <laughs> Um, uh, <laughs> so they had like, <laughs> was it Malcolm's had, house? It wasn't Malcolm's house. They had like splashy lights inside right. and then somehow generated some sort of mist. So it was, it was like, will you tell me after time, whose house this was? Okay. Big time water slide. And somehow <laughs> you accelerate really quickly and it's longer than you think it will be. I don't know how right. some crazy water slide designer. Um, and I, I was so elated by it mm. that, and it was so such a safe that it was it was very much that feeling. I yeah. felt so young, and I don't know that I articulated that way until I forced Tig to come with me the next night. Right. I was like we're coming back over, Steve. Again, totally ignored him. Just went on the water slide, and Tig, who I'm sure most of you know, is not known for being cute, like She's over the top. She's yes. not a bullion. Uh, also had the same experience. Like, couldn't stop laughing. We were crying. We were laughing so hard. Based on nothing. Just the feeling. There's right. no thing to observe. It became funnier to observe the feeling. Like, that right. was funny. Right. But she was like, it turns out that you become 12. Like, you right. become 12 years old when you get on that water slide. It's wow. like going back in time and becoming a child because we were, you just get giddy. Yeah. So now I feel like I need a water slide. <laughs> There's worse things, right? That you could do with your money. <laughs> they also had a zip line. Equally fun? Jesus no, Christ. not equally fun, but still kind of fun. I I'm, think they have kids. I'm I mean, get, I'm is, getting turned off to this place. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and they had a built-in trampoline on the ground, which felt to me like I will what? hurt myself. That seems yeah. like a trap. <laughs> I know. <laughs> you know, that's what it looked like. It looked like you would go, "Oh, this is fun," and step on it, and then fall through into a deep hole. Yeah, we have a real coyote problem. Uh, right but it was in fact a trampoline. All right. Okay. So you love, so that's when you were little, but what about when you were in high school? When I was in high school, uh, performing and, uh, that's when I started doing theater and, uh, um, and you know, I was, I was a class clown all through my academic career and, and, uh, I, 
that was that was the beginning of my stand up comedy career. Really, you know, was was making people laugh, and it was exhilarating, and it was, um, you know, attention in that way. It's it's a difficult thing to describe, and I think that people assume that if you're a stand up comedian or you're you're a kind of performer, that you just love attention no matter what. And certainly, I've I felt that there was a, a deficit of attention at home, and, and you know, it's not that hard to figure out why I would be acting out at school and, and trying to get people to love me, you know. Right. But it's like I remember being called upon to read something in English class because my English teacher, this was probably senior year, I think, uh, recognized that I was a performer and and that I had, and that I could I could do voices and things like that, and said, you know, I want you to read this, you know, this Edgar Allan Poe poem, you know, and really like perform it. And at first, it was uh, I felt incredibly self conscious, you know, that. Because it's a different, it is. It's a it's different so thing when the different. lights are on you, mm-hmm. and you know this is the approved way of mm-hmm. performing. It's it's not even about the attention, then you know it's yeah. it's a different it's a different thing that takes over. Yeah. Um, but to have a bunch of eyes on you under fluorescent lighting, yeah. you know, is very nerve wracking, and and so gradually I got into it and was really able to bring it, and and it was, and you know I got big applause and everything. And, and I could tell that, that it was genuine that I, yeah. that I, I did the thing that I was asked to do. And, um, and as, as sort of, uh, sheepish as it, as it made me feel and as self-conscious as it made me feel, uh, it was also exhilarating, you know, and it was, um, it, it I felt a, I felt a connection. You know, yeah. I felt like I had made a connection yeah. with these, with my, with my colleagues, <laughs> <laughs> my educational <laughs> facility colleagues. Yeah. Well, I think that, um, it kind of goes back to actually everything that we were just talking about, which is the giddiness of laughter. You know, it's, it's very American, not to say that it's not also a million other cultures, but mm-hmm. like, I mean, I've, I feel like I've heard anecdotally, you know, the idea that like perhaps uh, uh, perhaps two Russian people who are dating aren't going to put sense of humor at the top of the list culturally wow. of what's most important to them. Yeah. But that's so typically something that everybody's got on the list, you yeah. know? It's like number three to yeah. number one. Absolutely. And because it is intoxicating and it is that, I mean, honestly, that tickly feeling is a, a, an immediate connection to the most simple like pleasure principle in that sense. And um, so I agree with you. I think the idea of getting a laugh is more, it's, it's, it's very specific and it's different than just like everyone's watching me or everyone loves me and they think I'm great. It's, it's more like, I wouldn't be surprised if there's already studies or if as science, you know, improves even more that there's like a literal physical transference where, we're getting high off mm-hmm. of getting laughs. Like yeah. we're literally physically atomically getting high. Yeah. 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 You know, it, it took me a while though f- to make the differentiation between someone who is making me laugh and uh, liking someone because they make me laugh 
and liking someone because they laugh at me. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, girls that I thought had a great sense of humor, you know, and were funny. And then I realized, well, wait a minute. They didn't actually make me right, laugh. Right, right. I thought they had a great sense of humor because they laughed at me. Right, right. But That's a th- really good distinction. Yeah, it's when I think back on it, yeah, when I think back on it, I remember cracking up at a lot of things that they said. And now yeah. it's like Janie makes me laugh all the time. And, uh, and it's funny. like the difference is... is it, it's very clear, you yeah. know, like, oh, this is what this is, you know, yeah. that when somebody that that can surprise you and crack you up like like a a belly laugh, you know, that's somebody who is making you laugh. Correct. You know, yeah. <laughs> and ultimately, it's always nice when that person is also like a good human being, because that's the difference between sitting on a stage and watching someone be funny about yeah. things and kind of secretly thinking like, I don't know if we would get along. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah. It's a whole different, it's a whole different thing. I got to get into some mash because... Get into uh, it! Because uh, I got to get into the mash. I hope we talked enough about my my uh, my formative years. I think we did. Okay. I mean, yeah, I really think we did. I mean, I guess All I didn't right. get into it with you about whether you played sports. That just doesn't feel important. Oh, no. See? Sports were... It was never something I was into. Yeah. It, it just never was. Like, I, I, when I was in eighth grade, I was on the baseball team, and that was my pretty much my only brush your with token. sports. Yeah, your yeah, token. Yeah, that was it. Experience. That was yeah. it. Because um, I kind of liked baseball, and, and to this day, I like going to a baseball game every once in a while. Mm-hmm. I, find it, I find it really enjoyable, but I don't watch it on TV. Yeah. I don't play anything. It just didn't interest me, and it took me a long time before... As an adult, I was able to admit to strangers mm-hmm. I don't follow sports mm-hmm. because that seemed such a weird thing, mm-hmm. you know. And, and by the way, people do treat it like it's a weird thing, right? Not oh, everybody yeah, does, no, no, for sure. but there are people that are like, "Oh, no sports? I'm yeah. Like, nope, none." Yeah. And they don't know what to say after I that. Know, I know. Like they really it shuts a conversation talk about the down. Weather. Talk about the weather. <laughs> Somebody talk about the weather with me. Even if you're telling me about a rainout, I'll take it. I'll segue <laughs> it into a conversation about the weather. All right. So this is giving me an inspiration for my first uh, ill-formed question. Three, I want you to, because you are, a, as everyone knows, uh, always naturally dressed, <laughs> I want you to pick three sports that you don't have to play, but you have to be seen in the uniform. Oh, okay. I like that. I'm going to say, number one, with a bullet, cricket. Right? I knew you were going to say that. Absolutely cricket. Great. Uh, Number two, uh, equestrian sports. I agree. I really like jodhpurs and a nice riding boot. I got a top hat on. I got my red tailcoat by all means yeah yeah this could be from any era too if that helps you like you might like a baseball uniform from the 1930s but not be as keen on them i think they've maybe not changed at all <laughs> baseball no they have they have really they? have they in, in the oh early yeah days, they're like satiny jerseys now versus like those cute pinstripe now they're like pajamas okay. like they went from baggy you know sort of the, like the in the Babe Ruth days, you yeah. know, that there would be these baggy sack like things to then in the seventies, everything was like skin tight right. until baseball players started getting fatter and fatter. <laughs> and they're like, uh, okay, let's, uh, let's get, how about a relaxed fit uniform? <laughs> and so now they're like, they look like sweats, okay. you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Okay. Um, so, a so I need a third three. one. I need a third one. Sports, sports. Oh, you know what? Um, I think like, uh, 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 is it highlight? I think highlight. They wear 
like sort of like polo shirts. That sounds and, right. And like some shorts or something like that. I that think sounds that's a right. nice look. That's a nice clean look. Yeah. Highlight being something that is constantly a crossword answer in the New York Times. But I still really don't know anything about the sport. <laughs> um, okay. Second category will be, you know what? I'm going to do, I got to get into uh, three movies that you couldn't drop into. Got to get into I it. Got to get into it. Um, the Sting. Oh, so good. It's during the depression though. It's always, this question's always hard. And when I hear, cause I, 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 I should be prepared to answer this question, but whenever I hear it on the podcast, I always go to what was unpleasant about the yes, time exactly. I know, but that's why because I always movies, have to say removing all of the I know. sort of like yeah. nuances yeah, 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 that yeah. are less than desirable. Right, like, I'm going to say you can I go to the old West without dying in, in childbirth. Because they're, they're only this one story as right. opposed to, you know, TV shows are ongoing things. But, um, yeah, I will. So I stand by that. The sting, um, uh, I got. I got to say Jaws. Great. I got to say it. Now, what would you do in Jaws? What if you were I, like, well, I would go to Amityville like before the shark. I'd just have a nice vacation. <laughs> Amityville is where oh, the sorry, horror sorry, occurred. Sorry, sorry. What Amity is, is the island. Amity, Amity as bad. you know, means friendship. My bad. I would. I would run for mayor against Larry Vaughn, and Great. I feel like I'd probably win. I think you would because too. look how poorly he ran. The beaches, yeah. People got eaten by sharks. They really did. So I, I, I would run on an anti-shark platform, <laughs> and I bet I do pretty well. That's great. Yeah, great, great, great. Um, <laughs> the Sting Jaws. I should have asked you what you would do in the Sting. Just hang out with those guys. I'd love so to hang rad. out with those guys. Yeah, that movie. Like, I, I hate to say a you know they don't make them like that anymore, but like when I was a kid to see a movie when I was a kid. Movies like that that depicted real adults, mm. you know, like these were men <laughs> that were the coolest Paul Newman, Robert Redford, like movie stars are different now, yeah. you know, and they don't even like a guy like Brad Pitt doesn't seem like as much of a man as those guys did. The closest, I guess, is Clooney, mm-hmm. you know, but Ocean's Eleven is is not the sting. I'm no. sorry. You know, that movie no. was smart and it was for grownups and it was, um, uh, yeah, I love that movie. It's so great. It's um, so great. Okay. The Sting Jaws. And the last one I'm going to say, The Grand Budapest Hotel. I mean, that really was a treat of a movie, wasn't it? That guy is seven for seven with me. I think I've liked yeah. every single one of his movies. I wish I could say the same. I know. I, a lot of people... Book? What it's book? a beautiful Wes Anderson book. No, I haven't. Okay, you can thumb through that after we finish. I will. Or right now, I guess. I, will, I have to. I, I got to just take really a beautiful. peek. Um, yeah, I've loved all of I his movies. I love and, uh, the, I can't even remember what it's called, Train One. Uh, Darjeeling. I yeah. did not expect to like that because yeah. it was not exactly my favorite cast. Yeah, me too. I still loved it. I Maybe still I loved revisit it. it. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> or you don't have to. I know, you know what I mean? That's true. That's true. I don't, I, know. I don't know him. His movies. But Fantastic I, Mr. Fox is just. I loved it. Oh, God, loved so it. Good. There's something about the worlds that he. Or, or you know, I, I, I kind of think of it as the same world and it's different parts of the same world. Mm, like he I does. Agree. He does a very specific thing. And it's like, take it or leave it. You yeah. know, and I the, the turning point for me was um, in the life aquatic. Mm. Um, when he 
it early in the movie he holds up the baggie that has the animated seahorse in it yeah and i was like what what what's happening here and then i realized i'm on board with this oh my god me too and then i've been on board i think is my favorite yeah but grand budapest hotel I, you know, obviously aesthetics are very important to me and, and I love the way the movie looked, but also Rafe Fiennes was, I don't know how else to say it. He was adorable in that he movie. He was adorable. He was so funny I, and I, so I charming. More. I it was such more. a surprise. God, I loved him so much. Oh. Yeah, that, did you see the model when I was at the Arclight? No. They had the model of the, of the, of the hotel. Oh, so charming. Yeah. I like small things. Um, okay. Uh, next item will be a vacation home location in the, this world of ours. Oh, Sullivan's Island. Number one with a bullet. That is where, um, my wife grew up and that's where we got married. And, uh, we go there every year for 4th of July and I'm actually going there, um, at the end of this week, uh, I'm doing a week of shows at uh, Theater 99 in Charleston. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, with Super Ego. Oh, we're gonna that's going to be great. Improv shows every night. And then during the week, and while we're there, we're going to stay on Sullivan's oh, Island. Oh, my so God. So it's the beach Talk all day. Talk about a staycation. Yeah. Workcation. <laughs> Work, working a... vacation. Okay, well. <laughs> you know what? I'll just edit that out. <laughs> What was that controlling? I don't feel that landed. I'm going to edit it out. Oh, God. I just have a few edits. Um, God, that'll be so much fun. Have, yeah. the guy, have the Super Ego guys been out there? No. Oh, they're going to love no. it. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying I love well, it right. because I've never been. But you're not I, wrong. You should go. I wish I'd been able to go to your wedding. Um, <laughs> boy. Uh Okay. Uh, guys, listen, I was invited. The point is I was working and I couldn't go. That's I think right. I might have been really close to like Atlanta. Bitter. Oh, yeah. That does <laughs> ring a bell. dinner and a movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. You would, you would have met your current boyfriend that much sooner. That's true. That's true. That probably wouldn't have worked out at all. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never know. Um, <laughs> Sliding okay. doors. Sullivan's Island. Uh, I would love to be in the mountains somewhere. And one of the... Um, uh, the greatest um, weekends of my life was we. Uh, it was uh, me and my wife and a, and two other couples um, rented the uh, the John Muir House in Yosemite. Oh, great! Job. It was St. Patrick's Day weekend, and we drove up there, and it was you know we hiked around, and then it snowed that weekend. Mm-hmm. It was perfect yeah that sounds like exactly my cup of tea i love being up in the mountains too. we made each couple made dinner um uh we took turns making dinner and we would have dinner all together and and it it was it was perfect so i I mean i think i'm gonna give you that john muir cabin all right i'll take that unless there's somewhere else i didn't know if it was (laughs) if public spaces were available you got it but i'll take that you got it i'll buy that cabin uh and then i just need a third one I got the beach. I got the mountains. You know what? I would take. I'd take an apartment in New York. Great. Because I I don't want to. Like I lived in New York under the best of circumstances. I had a job. Rent was not an issue. But it's still living there day in, day out was rough. It was not for me. Yeah. You know, it was not for me. But man, I love to visit. Yeah. I love to visit and to like be there for a week, you know, is 
I love it. I totally I it. agree. I'd love to be able to pick up and go anytime I wanted. You know? I agree. That's how I feel about Vancouver too for completely different reasons. I love Vancouver. But Vancouver is like, give me a reason to be up there for a couple of weeks. I almost I'm said set, Vancouver. But I couldn't, I couldn't live there. Yeah. But God, I'd love to go there I all the time. Vancouver. I'd love to just, all. oh, she's always in Vancouver. Yeah. Does she live there? No, she doesn't <laughs> live there. You know? <laughs> It's the best, too. Yeah, it's great. It's great. Vancouver's terrific. Shout out to Vancouver. Um, Okay, (laughs) next category will be uh, three dead authors (laughs) with whom you somehow in this magic mash world are friends. Uh, Kurt Vonnegut? Yeah, right there with you. Friends. That's tough because... You might love their writing, but like There's they so might many, just be unlivably horrible. And, and be, because I do that podcast, I've learned a lot about a lot of authors, um, and they're really screwed up people. Yeah, <laughs> they're really screwed up people. <sighs> um, but yeah, I'm gonna say Kurt Vonnegut. And who else seems not depressing? Don't be afraid to say Ray Bradbury. Don't be afraid to say Ray Bradbury. Oh, <laughs> do you know what? I've not read a lot of Ray oh my Bradbury. God. Oh. Oh, I will say Rod what Serling. What a treat of a man. Great. Um, I'll say C.S. Lewis. Yeah, that seems... I, I, I think we would have interesting talks about religion. Sure. Because he was lions. a very devout man. And yeah. lions and how yeah. they're Jesus. The Jesuses of the animal Everybody kingdom. Everybody knows they're the Jesuses. <laughs> Multiple Jesuses. I don't know. That sounds... <sighs> um, okay. Next one is uh, musical instrument you wake up tomorrow and um, are extremely... I love... This is all I think about. <laughs> this is all I think about. Number one is piano. Because you can play and sing. And and it's my some of my fondest memories as as a kid where we always had a piano in the house. Nobody really played, but we always had a piano in the house. Hmm. And when people when my parents would have parties, there would be someone who would play the piano. Oh, that's great. And it was oh my god, man, being a kid and being around grown-ups like that was the most wonderful thing in the world. It was so exciting to me. It was so exciting to me. It's cool that you were able to sort of be a part of that and not just be like the kid upstairs. Like, there was it that has too. its own appeal. Yeah, we were yeah. we were allowed to. We were allowed to. If it was early enough, we were allowed to hang out for a little bit. You yeah. know, but or maybe it's. I mean, you know, because time all blurs together, and maybe it's when we got older, we were old enough to sort of mix a little bit, yeah. but not for very long. But but yeah, I remember being at the top of the steps too and just listening, you know, listening to these people like what I realize now, drunk people <laughs> laughing, no. you know. But to me it was like the sophistication of a match game, you know, Absolutely. seeing these people like the the most sophisticated people in the world. Right. D- you know, laughing at jokes that I just did not understand, right. you know, and watching it now and like, oh they're everybody's drunk. <laughs> I thought they were these great wits. Your parents are escaping their horrible marriage for a night. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, um, my. But yeah. Uh, okay, piano, great. Piano, yeah, number one. Um, I think trumpet would be a good one, too. You know? To be able to play, like, you know, soft music, you know, like a Burt Bacharach kind of thing, mm-hmm. or to play 
just like crazy, you know, New Orleans second line oh, God, yeah. kind of brass like that would yeah. be would be really cool. You know? Yeah, I can't and you can carry it around. These are the words I'm know? about to say. You can hit me in the face after. You really can coax a lot of different sounds out of a trumpet. <laughs> I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait till you have oh, the trumpet God. up to your lips before I hit you. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> For maximum that's effect. Very, very fair. <laughs> All right, piano, trumpet. Um. I mean, I'll tell you right now, mm-hmm. I wish I could fiddle like Sarah Watkins. Done. Right? Yeah. Speaking of different sounds, you, like you can yes. do anything with a violin. I would love to be. Because I was thinking guitar and I was like, eh, no, I don't gotta know. Got to get that I mean, fiddle. Yeah, I would love to be able to play that. There's something about, there's something about a, a, a thing that is easily transportable. Yeah. You know, that you can take with you that is very romantic to me of people traveling with instruments like that. I totally agree. And as a guitar player, um, the guitar is never quite as portable as you want it to be. It's so mean because it's like the instrument that everyone does carry around with them. So you sort of get used to the idea. And then for me, especially when I was, because I started in fifth grade, lugging around a guitar when you're small, believe me, should be much better. But yeah, you have this, you have this feeling of like, huh, everybody else seems fine with this, but this is kind of a huge pain in the ass. It's as big as you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. And also uh, airlines break them all the time. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Um, but you can but throw, that's great you, because throw you've your got, fiddle in the overhead. You've got one giant instrument that you would never take anywhere. It better be there already. Two, it's got to be there. Everyone <laughs> needs to. In your world, everyone has a piano my, ready and waiting and tuned. My, uh, my huge fantasy, though, is to like t- like Groundhog Day take secret lessons, you know, oh, yeah. and then all of a sudden just bust that out on people. <laughs> like, oh, what's this? And then just like play <laughs> some amazing song. <laughs> In this scenario, you're not even sure what the piano is. Yeah. <laughs> <Do> you... <laughs> oh, what is this device? Is this a sculpture? What would happen if I... <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Um... Think about that every day. There's not a day goes by I don't think about that. Oh, God. we got to get you some secret lessons. Some, I guess not so secret. There's lessons. a place in our neighborhood that... Uh, I don't know if it's open or not. I think that it's open, but the windows are kind of papered over but papered over with things that indicate that the business is open yeah it's 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 a a little shop that they do musical lessons Hmm. and they have one of those old-fashioned light-up signs that kind of sticks out from the building you know the kind of they're plastic and you know they have have like a a bulb inside yeah and it's uh it's (laughs) dave's accordion school wow and they give lessons um Mm. in accordion piano Free bass and free bass is the st- is like a stand up, I guess, fretless space. space? I don't okay. know, I have no idea. Yeah, me neither. I have no idea, but it's unfortunately named free bass. Yeah, um, <laughs> that's that's not good. And I, I feel like is, and I was talking about this with Scott Ackerman recently, um, because we were talking about the same thing, like, and he was saying that somebody told him, like, just take lessons, you know, like it's, you can start anytime. You can start anytime. I, that has haunted me every day. Yeah. I'm like maybe I should just do it. Maybe I should just do it. You could. Yeah. I'm getting to the age where I think about things like taking a pottery class. 
sounds real fun. Well, I took three piano lessons when I was a child. And at the end of the third lesson, I could not play a song. Mm-hmm. And so I decided this is bullshit. Yeah. And it's I hard. just stopped. Those learned skills are hard. I mean, I'm a terrible I, student. I, too. I do. Yeah. I'm I've, a bad student. I'm an but anxious maybe student. Maybe you'd be more kind to yourself now. Maybe. Maybe I would. Find out that you're... Because I do feel like I'm constantly... I mean, I've been talking endlessly about how I'm a, sco- uh, how I'm a snorkeler now. Mm-hmm. But that is, the, that is the perfect example of something I really needed to have happen to me, to experience, to be jolted into the sort of gift of, oh, I don't, I don't really know who I am. Yeah. I'm not about everything. Yeah, Why yeah, am yeah. I acting like... I'm all settled into my skin like right. this. Listen, this is just who I am. Right. I think that in the, in, in the attempt to sort of embrace yourself more, sometimes you also go, no, 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 I get it. I, I know what I like and what I don't like now. And then it turns out that's not true. That, doesn't, you know, stay, you could, that doesn't have to stay true for the rest of your life. You could change your mind. Or- I, th- I, think that, I think that's true. And I think there's a big difference between saying I know what I like and what I don't like, which sometimes is a very important thing. Right. But to say... Uh, I know what I can do and what I can't do. Right. I think is very, that's when you're limiting yourself. Right, right, right. And I think that, that we, I think we very often assume like that's beyond me and it right. might not be beyond you. you yeah. Know? Maybe I'll do it. Listen, if it, if that's what comes out of this, I'll be the most might, smug person in town. I might have to walk, uh, do a, a walk-in at Dave's accordion school. <laughs> a little walk-in. Did you say there's a town full of smuggers? <laughs> I did. I'm afraid so. Um, okay, I'm not going to ask you Disneyland question because I do know that that's not of interest to you. What um, is the Disneyland question? The uh, a ride becomes real. Oh, the Matterhorn. Well, I need three. Oh, Matterhorn, <laughs> Peter Pan ride. Oh, you really did know? You kidding me? I'd love to fly over London. Oh God, it's just the best. It is. I said that I want to have a hammock strung there so that when the park closes, I can just tuck in and go to sleep with the city of London underneath me. Oh, it's so nice. Oh, London. Uh, I'm rethinking vacation stuff. But yeah. it's it's like, there's so many places. There's so many places. I might come up with a special hidden category in a second. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, uh, 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 Matterhorn, Peter Pan. <laughs> you know what? Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. Because... They go to hell. They do. <laughs> they really do. It's so cute that it gets just a little hotter in that room when you go through. It's so weird. Don't worry, guys. They have the heat turned up. It's so It's so weird. 10 degrees hotter. <laughs> that's, that's what hell is. Okay, so this the way that I'm going to access these other places are, this is vacation home. So you really do. You own something there. You spend a lot of time there. This next one is just a vacation that you and Janie go on. But... It's the location, and it could also be an era. And oh wow! Again, none of the like you're not going to get distemper just because you set foot in Distemper. you know <laughs> 1780s New York. <laughs> I don't know what that is. How I hope I'm not in danger of scarlet fever, right? Or shell shock. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say I would love to go to Downton Abbey times. Right. Stay at one of those country estates. Like, we'll be the loud Americans. Yeah. That everyone condescends to, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But you have to dress for dinner. Mm-hmm. You have to dress for... There's different outfits for different activities. During the day, for yes. sure. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah. But everyone's dressed up all the time. So many hats. So, so many hats. So many hats. So many hats. So many gloves. Yeah. Okay, Downton Abbey, great. Yeah. Two more. Um...
Mm. Why is it so hard? Well, because these are important life decisions. I mean, you have the opportunity to go anywhere. That's kind of a big deal. Yeah. I'm going to say... I'm sitting here in silence thinking about what I would say to right. you. It's like, it's as if I've never thought of these before. Right. But I don't know if I, we really have gone, I mean, I've asked people about time traveling before, but I have trouble with it too. Mm-hmm. Um, it is sort of that thing of like, God, I kind of, like, in a, like there is a part of me that would like to see the Western frontier, yeah. Deadwood style, not because it sounds fun, but just it's so fascinating yeah. to really actually connect with what that really was. Yeah. The idea that you're living in the United States in the same place that you've been to and stayed at a motel and there is no law. (laughs) Exactly. Like you kind of want to see what that's like, but. I'm going to say somewhere in the 1920s. Maybe Paris. Sorry. Before midnight or after midnight or whatever that was called. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) I first I thought Paris. But here's what I'm going to say. New Orleans. Great. What was that like? Oh, that's great. I don't even know, Janet. I don't either, I don't Paul, even know what I it don't. was like, but I bet it was great. Yeah. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, oh, I mean, I'm giving you the. I, maybe you said London, so I want to just tell you there might be a time, I'm even gonna if it's say, present day. I'm going to say uh, 1950s Hawaii. Oh, that's great! Oh, that's great. I love that. Okay, okay. Final category. Oh no. I forgot the final category is people you have crushes on or had crushes Fine. on. All right. Um, <laughs> well, you, you anyone go so out of your way with the disclaimer. It's like, I, but it's hard for me when it's like if I know the person's spouse, not that she gives a shit, but and do I think you she think did that, it too. Right. But do you think that somebody's going to get in trouble? No. No, it feels like I'm encouraging bad behavior somehow, even though it's so benign. What if I named all people that I knew? <laughs> then, then that we both knew. You, all people Janet, in our lives. Kimmy Gatewood, <laughs> like, and Patrick Brewster. Oh, God. Oh, God. Um, yeah. Okay. So, and it could be somebody from, I like to cr- crack it wide open and say, you know, go for it if there's like a character in film or a, someone. Absolutely. I'm going to give you uh, somebody from uh fiction mm-hmm. and i'm gonna give you people from different time periods yeah, love it uh number one is uh the character uh of birgit nyborg from uh the danish drama borgen she's played by sitsi babit nugen and she is that is, it's she's such a cool and sexy character and she's beautiful actress but i love that i have such a huge crush on that character i tend to really respond in part probably because of my love of uh arctic climbs (laughs) to um scandinavian and you know like anything like that books or television i just watched the bridge the danish swedish bridge but i've never heard of this oh it's great 
It's like it's like a Danish version of the West Wing. It's it's oh, all uh, all about it. their government. How do you where can you see it? Um, it was on PBS. Um, I don't know if it's streaming or anything right now. Is we it just, B-O-R-G-E-N? B-O-R-G-E-N. Okay, great. Yeah, well, it's, it's terrific. It's terrific. That's exciting. Okay. All but right, yeah, so I've got people, Those people are all like otherworldly beautiful, you know what yeah. I mean? Where it's like they're, they're, they're attractive in the traditional sense, but then there's also something about them that looks otherworldly, yeah. you know, like Bjork or somebody yep. that's like, are you from Earth? For sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I respond very positively yeah. to that, those looks as well. Um, number two, I'm going to say... Bailey Quarters from WKRP in Cincinnati. Amazing. <laughs> She's so adorable. And I rewatched the first the first season of that show on Hulu. I loved it when I was a kid. Yeah. Did it hold up? Yeah, it really holds up. That's great. It's a great it's a great cast. Yeah. And the the comedy is all character based and there's really funny stuff on that show and, and kind of sophisticated, you know. Yeah. Um in a way that comedy isn't anymore. Um that they they sort of take for granted like Hey, you watching this, you've been to school. Right. You'll get this reference because you right. had it in grade school. Right, you know? right. Um, but she is just absolutely... I mean, she's gorgeous, but they put glasses on her, so she's supposed to be kind sure. of... That makes her you know, smart and a Mousy or whatever. Yeah. But she's she's really adorable. She's Great. so adorable. And, and um, yeah, when I was a kid, I loved that... I loved her so much. I loved her so much. Well, what you described too, I mean, I didn't watch the show, but what you described sounds like those moments when you feel like you've made a good choice because somehow in your crazy mind they're attainable. <laughs> yeah. Like, but I mean, she's mousy. She wears glasses. Like, yeah. it's not inconceivable. She's not like Lonnie Anderson. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Great. Okay. And then number three. Number three, I would like the listener to Google image, do an image search of Sophia Loren, mm-hmm. man of La Mancha. I'm doing it right now. Uh, yeah, she's a, she's a perennial classic, right? She was just insane looking. <laughs> of La Mancha. Um, oh, oh yeah. my. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy. Yeah. God, I can't imagine how. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go. This is like what all video games are designed after. <laughs> but she would just eat you alive. Yeah, she would. Like, that's, yeah. Yeah, she would. She would devour you. W O M A N. I know. W O M A N. Yeah. Man, great. Sophia. Okay. All right. Tell me when to stop. Stop. Wow. You were you've been waiting for that. No. I think I got it's two. (laughs) It's two. So this is going to be pretty fast. Um, It's the first time. No. What does that mean? What does that mean? Oh, just that's how I do the process of elimination. This will be very interesting. No, it's too late. It's two. No. Pause. And I'll be back with your 100% guaranteed math future. I just said math future. Math future. Arithmetic future.
thanks. Uh, Paula Tompkins, are you ready to find out about your MASH future? I am ready. This is pretty great. Oh, I'll yeah. hear that. I mean, all answers were very solid, so I'm not surprised. But the old one-two punch, as I'm now referring to your choice of saying stop really quickly... <laughs> Has led you to the following. Number one, uh, I want to congratulate you on your ability to play the piano. Nice. Yeah. Think about it every day. Every day. Think no more. Every damn day. There you'll be. I think it was that was meant to be for sure. Thanks, Dave's accordion school. Um, <laughs> I'm excited also about your uh, friendship with the one and only Rod Serling. Very cool. It's kind of cool, right? That's very cool. I'm going over to your house for some dinner parties with <laughs> Ross Sterling. That's going to be terrific. I have to make him um, smoke outside. <laughs> you have to make him smoke. You know where he can smoke is out uh, on the dock of your place at in Sullivan's Island. Yeah. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which somehow feels like it ties in nicely to your ability to pop into Jaws. Nice. Sort of like Absolutely. relaxed beachfront communities. That's right. Um and I also want, oh, and I don't know where, uh, listen, uh, wherever you're going that you're sporting a cricket ensemble, <laughs> I'm comfortable with, and I hope you are too. And I don't know, I don't think they, did, did they play, so is cricket, cricket's like India? Is that where it was created? No, it's British. It's a British game, yeah. Would you say that there's a likelihood that you guys might in, enjoy watching or playing some cricket when you go on your vacation to Downton Abbey era? I think chances are 100%. Fantastic. Yeah. So that worked out as well. And then um, when you're ready for just a nice relaxing respite <laughs> and you're feeling guilty that you didn't mention London in uh, your vacation home possibilities... Rest assured that you can fly over London whenever you like <laughs> in a magic pirate ship. Is it real London Peter that Pan. I'm flying over? Or is it cardboard London? You're flying over. over. You're still only the, the, part the of ride the ride has become real. real right. Only part of the ride. Pirate ship real, London fake. Pirate ship fake. real, running. So huge ship, tiny, right. tiny cardboard model. We're one model. foot you'll off the ground. You'll probably crush it, yeah. There's a good chance you'll crush that model. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I'd investigated hey, listen, further. It's bittersweet. Before. <laughs> it's bittersweet. Yeah. yeah. Um, Trade offs. Oh, Paul, thank you so much for doing the, the podcast. I'm Wait a so minute. honored and thrilled. Oh, what? Oh, God, I forgot to tell you about the girl. Oh, God. I really apologize, everyone. And I apologize to you, Bailey Quarters. Most <laughs> <laughs> of all. <laughs> I can't believe I forgot <laughs> that you end up. With Bailey Quarters from WNYC. WKRP. W- <laughs> WNYC is the... Radio Lab? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately. You really are yeah, a I lot re- about Radio Lab. I think about it all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Bailey, Bailey Quarters. She worked for the radio. It's great. It's great. <laughs> Did you have a good time? I had, had a great a time, terrible yes. Terrible time. What? I want everyone to get their plane ticket to go see Super Ego and Paul F. Tompkins in Charleston. After that, the tickets will seem surprisingly inexpensive. That's right. Once you've booked your airfare and hotel accommodations, it will seem like nothing to spend another few bucks to come see the show. That's the way to see a show. Perspective. Absolutely. We talked a lot about perspective today. We really did. And ultimately, the biggest perspective should always be cash. 
your your relationship to your money. Absolutely. Money management. The most important relationship in your life. It's so true. <laughs> So true. Don't neglect it, everybody. Um, is there is there anything else that you would like to tell the fine folks about? Uh, if you are in the Los Angeles area, um, uh, ever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I do a monthly show at Largo That's called so Variatopia. It's so good. Um, and it's a variety show. It's music and comedy and uh, other things. Uh, sometimes you'll see some magic there. Sometimes I did. I saw some magic. You'll guys. see some dance. Mm-hmm. Who knows what you'll mm-hmm. see? But um, it's uh, I I love doing it, and it's um. It's uh, it's so much fun, and also check out uh, Speakeasy, my interview show on the web, uh, um, MadeMan dot com, and on YouTube and all that stuff. And yeah, guys, I hope that you'll. I mean, there are ample opportunities to see Paul. If for some reason you. I don't know how you... I don't feel like there's... A, listen, I would love to say you're going to get a bunch of new viewers, but I feel like everyone who listens to my podcast probably is already a fan of yours. But if w- they're not, don't, boy... Don't count on that. I, th- I think that there's probably a, a lot of people who have no idea who I am, and I don't blame them. Well... I'm only just finding out myself, Janet. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I wish I could end with that. <laughs> but instead, I have to end with one or both of us singing a snippet of Don Henley's Boys of Summer. Because this is the Voice of Summer series. Wait a minute. And I patently refuse to actually play any of the actual song. Has anybody else done this yet? Yeah, I make everyone do it. Did Steve do it? No. No. I did. I sang, I think. I think I sang. Mm -hmm. I never will forget those nights. I wonder if it was a dream. Remember how you made me crazy? Remember how I made you scream? Now I don't understand what happened to our love But babe, I'm gonna get you back I'm gonna show you what I'm made of Horrible Uh, (laughs) Maybe it's the song and not you This is the song that I learned what wayfarers were That those sunglasses are called wayfarers I think that I recently learned about something Same thing, it was like Wellington boots or something. We're, we're in, we're in, a, we're in something, and I was like, "Wait, what? What? Wait, what are they saying? Oh, this is like important enough to them that they are mentioning them." I got it. I got it. Um, all right, guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast, uh, Paul. Thanks again, and it's uh, nothing else to say but toodaloo. Thanks. <laughs> As always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Now leaving Nerdist.com.